Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is brought to you by Golden Artist Colors. Golden is an employee-owned American manufacturing company based in New Berlin, New York. They make a line of acrylic colors and mediums that are top in class. Golden also manufactures the Williamsburg line of artist oil paints and core watercolors. I've used Golden for over the past 20 years and can attest to their quality and commitment to artist materials. You can find them in most art stores and online at goldenpaints.com. Polly Applebaum is an artist living and working in New York City. In 2018, Polly had solo exhibitions at the Belvedere 21 in Vienna, Austria, and Icon Gallery in Birmingham in the UK, which travels to the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art in Kansas City in 2019. She's exhibited widely since the 1980s, including one-person exhibitions at the National Museum of Women and Arts in Washington, D.C., the Otis College of Arts and Design in Los Angeles, Bepart in Wareham, Belgium, the Worcester Art Museum in Worcester, Massachusetts, the Lumber Room in Portland, Oregon, and at the Mumbai Art Room in Mumbai, India. A major mid-career survey of her work opened in 2003 at the Institute of Contemporary Art in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and traveled to the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art in Kansas City, and the Contemporary Art Center in Cincinnati, Ohio, both in 2004. Her work has been featured in numerous group exhibitions, including Pattern and Decoration, Ornament as Promise, at the Ludwig Forum for International Kunst in Aachen, Germany, and Interruption of the Rainbow at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, Wall to Wall at Mocha Cleveland in Cleveland, Ohio, Pretty Raw, After and Around Helen Frankenthaler at the Rose Art Museum, Three Graces at the Everson Museum of Art in Syracuse, Pathmakers, Women in Art, Craft and Design, Mid-Century and Today at the Museum of Art and Design in New York, Americana, Formalizing Craft at the Perez Art Museum in Miami, Florida, Regarding Warhol, 60 Artists, 50 Years at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, amongst many others. Polly's work is in numerous permanent collections including the Albright Knox in Buffalo, the Blanton Museum of Art in Austin, the Brooklyn Museum, the Carnegie Museum of Art in Pittsburgh, the Dallas Museum of Art, the Everson Museum of Art, LA County Museum of Art, the Museum of Modern Art in New York, and the Whitney Museum of American Art, just to name a few. She was the recipient of a Paula Krasner Foundation grant in 1987, a Guggenheim Fellowship in 93, an Artist Fellowship from the New York Foundation for the Arts in 95, an Anonymous Was a Woman Award in 98, a Diebenkorn Fellowship in 99, a Joan Mitchell Fellowship in 99, an Academy Award from the American Academy of Arts and Letters in 2002, and the Rome Prize in 2012. I stopped by Polly's Loft in Lower Manhattan where she's lived and worked for the last 40 years for a talk about early influence, the Pennsylvania Dutch, Philadelphia funk, craft, design, endless drive, and so much more. Here's our conversation. I had, they did a shoot in the studio. They wanted the bags and 
my studio. And the person doing the makeup, you know, I think that the employees all know the history, and they're very proud of the history. It's a very special history. And because I was in this other show, um, which was 17 Women um, and Dior, and it was um, part of his collection. He showed early on Picasso, Dali, all these people. And then I'm not sure how he got into fashion from there yeah. but it's it's you know the the house of Dior has a really interesting history so for me when they said would you like to you know design a handbag yeah. I thought oh my god you know the resources of the craft I really should know more about it too because my my brother is the design he's a design curator at the Denver Art Museum and they just oh wow they just opened that Dior show which is a oh, huge show you know what I saw is it the one that was in Paris it is. It is. is. It? I, I saw it. No, it is. It's, I you should don't, know you these should, things. No, it's, it's fine. He's going to kill me. It's fine. <laughs> but, you know, I was, um, I was, I saw it in Paris. It's yeah. incredible. So the show that I was in um, started it, but it was 17 women artists, and then it was dresses uh-huh. and jewelry and they also had his collection. So Mr. D- Christian Dior's um paintings from his collection Mm -hmm. so it was really really interesting this show that the Paris show um the show that I was in I think it was like 2012 2013 the Paris show is incredible yeah because the when you look at the couture the workmanship it's just incredible it's art it is art and um Natalie Portman was um at the um opening because she I think she's the face of maybe the uh, Miss Dior for the um, perfume oh yeah so his the the perfume was for his his um uh sister mm-hmm. you know so it's I, really gotta, interesting. I gotta study up on Dior yeah no uh, you don't have to I was just interested because um this is my second Dior project but you know, and, and it is a fascinating because people don't know. I yeah, think that yeah, the each, each house has has a, Alexander McQueen has an amazing history yeah. too. And like the Prada Foundation. No, they're fantastic. They I think there's a lot of great. I think there's the certain people who don't know that much about it and just think art and fashion should not. You know, it's the the high end, the commercial, or something, or have these preconceived notions of the line that should be drawn or something. But well, I, I think, think it's such get, an exciting. The, you no, know. but I also think influence goes, as in music, it goes both ways. Yeah. And everybody is, it's a pool, a big pool, and it's wonderful to take from all these things. Yeah, and there's some and good, learn. some not yeah. so good. No, and I know, there's some, <laughs> there's some really bad music, <laughs> there's some really bad fashion, there's some really, you know, whatever. But for me, I don't want to, you know, this was, an, it was easy because you're working with, professionals you know it was a beautiful thing yeah yeah you know and it came out of um a print and then you have somebody interpreting your work and even making it better (laughs) i thought they made my work better so what's what's bad about that that's the gift of collaborating i think yeah i love collaborating with people because i feel like i do if you work with good people they're gonna add something to your process that you'd never do you know Oh, absolutely. I love doing that. I think it's really, it's, it's funny. I've done, late, late in life, I, I hope I don't tell, sound like an old fart, but, you know, working with friends and, and working on, um, I've done in the last couple of years, um, two-person shows, and they 
they are easy in the sense that if you're working with somebody who you know your whole life as an artist, it's just you do it. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a really nice thing. And for me, it's, it's really um, been important. Early on, people don't a lot of times do two-person shows. And right. a lot of the galleries don't do it. And, and um, it's been quirky. I did a show at the Suburban with my friend Steve Westfall. Then I did a show with Joanne, yeah, and um, out in East Hampton, and so, and then I, um, my friend, I had a wonderful friend, great artist Tony Fair, and we did a couple going back to '97. We so I have done going back, but we did two person shows. Those are fun. They're really great. It's like a sh- like a music bill with like two good bands. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's great. I think it's good for the the viewers to come in and get a kind of dialogue between the two. Even if there's no, if the front space is one artist and the back space is another, there's still kind of like a dialogue that you, you place do, the Do you know Donna Nelson's there. work? I do, yeah. Well, Donna and I did a show in um, L.A. a couple of years back, and it was just such a joy. And we're not close, close friends, but it was almost kind of, on another level of psych- psychic whatever. She yeah, chose yeah. a certain amount of paintings, and then I came in with beads, and I had two floor pieces. And it was kind of otherworldly how it, how it made sense. Well, it just was, it was incredible. It well, was sometimes, such a joy. I think sometimes you, you know, when I used to play music, you would, you would get a bill or, like, you would book a tour, and then the local people would add a band to the bill you know what i mean like it's oh, not like wow. you're booking we weren't big enough by any stretch <laughs> to like have an opening act or anything like that or be opening for people so it was just kind of sometimes you'd be put together with a band and you're like wow this is really great like it just fuses really well and sometimes we played with a band in pittsburgh called arabon radar who was so out there it was so great but oh. it was such a different we were like at that point guitar drums and cello wow and kind of quiet and then this band played, which was just, you know, noise. Blasting yeah, people. just, it was amazing. But it was a great combination, I think. So what's your band called now? I'm not in a band oh, anymore. Is that driving, is it hard not to be in no, a band? No, because I've found, because with the animation work that I do, I do so much collaboration with musicians that mm-hmm. I feel like it, it feeds mm-hmm. that niche that's gone, you know, like I, I don't need to be in a band anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of <laughs> well, I the would, touring and oh. the the vans and the you know and then the schedules and all that stuff it's hard yeah no I can imagine but I still play every day I play oh. music and my son now plays music so oh that's There's fantastic that. yeah I think as long as you you know you never lose it or it never leaves you and I think just even listening to music you get things from. oh yeah I mean For I sure. think that you drive so much I, I spend a lot of time in the in the car too and you know, the show with um, the Graham Parker show that I just recently had and he played, The Waiting for the UFOs was a song I hadn't heard UFOs yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in years. And it came on and I was just blasting it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what I love most is <laughs> blasting the right, radio right. in the car. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, this is the title I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. And it was so, so great. And... Then how things come around, and I had remembered, um, I think um, before your time is, I had one of my best friends, he made 
tape mixes mm-hmm. that we still have these mixes yeah, he was a tapes. genius tapes, uh, there was an oh. art to the mixtape oh because the flip oh my god and he also labeled you know yeah yeah every used to do that, yeah. song <laughs> and it's like beautiful so you know those mixtapes and it was really graham parker was you know, I found my Graham Parker tape, yeah. and and I and all the songs he had um, he sang at the opening about four or five songs, and he had curated it mm-hmm. to be related to um, art. You know, some of the songs, and so um, the um, it was so so that it it really took me back and to the time, and yeah. it was just kind of. What I like with the radio is if you have a good station and you have a good DJ, it's, you know, they really, certain ones um, really know, they're they're geared to a certain audience, maybe geared to a certain age group. But, you know, some aren't, and then you'll just, you know, the chance of hearing something and it takes you back. Yeah. And it it was really important for me to go back to go forward. Right. You know. Well, that's so that's a great place to start. Well, let's take it back. So how did art and music enter your life? We share a a growing up in Pennsylvania, but you were Mm -hmm. on the east. It's a big state. Yeah. You were on the east side. Well, I think that um, the Philadelphia sound, yeah. you know, and um, soul music right. and funk and all of that, really a lot of it comes out of Philadelphia. Philly. Yeah. It is serious music. So even to this though, day. Yes, yeah. incredible. And a lot of kids are mu- moving to Philadelphia. Right. And I think that um, even though I'm a white suburban kid, I heard that music. And it really is, still takes me back. And, you so know, growing up in the family, yes, it was just in, the, in the house. It in was the on. in the house, and that was records. Yeah, and I'm sure it was radio too. I'm not that old, <laughs> but you know, um, I just always loved it, and I, and I I just think it was always there. And I think I'm not I can't dance, and I'm not musical, but I love listening. Were your parents creative? Um, not particularly, but you know the the thing that was more and that's another side um and more to the pennsylvania thing is um they were really interested in folk art and pennsylvania dutch we went and visited um i went to amish quilt auctions when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and looked at my parents collected china and um folk art and so I think that and that's something that's that's taking me back to Pennsylvania I'm doing a show um, next year at Arcadia University I don't know if you know it but I don't where is it it's right near where I grew up and it's outside of Philadelphia and um, I wanted to you know a lot of my work is not autobiographical and um I think maybe when you get older, you you kind of look back mm-hmm. and things keep coming forward. And I grew up with my mother had a painter named David Ellinger in the house. And he was a curious guy. She had four paintings mm-hmm. by him. One, he painted the Pennsylvania Dutch. He wasn't Pennsylvania Dutch. He was um, from... He grew up in the Pennsylvania Dutch and Lancaster area, 
but he was a picker. You know what a picker is? They no. go into it's maybe there's a kind of negative, but they go into people's houses to pick and antiques and things like oh, okay. that. Yeah. So he grew up in mm-hmm. that area and to make a living, that's how he 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 was a antiques trader. Right. That's a um, big thing there. I mean, we used to go all the time. Lancaster, Burdenhand, all those places. To Absol- go to Smorgasbord yes. and go antiquing. <laughs> it's like, it was amazing. So, um, but, you know, I, I grew up in these, all these, um, my mother's 92 years old now and still lives in the same house I grew up in. And, and she had these paintings. And um, I just got curious. One is um, a faceless woman. They're mm-hmm. all the, a woman with a sunbonnet and a sunflower. Mm -hmm. And I had just done a show in um, New York called The Potential of Woman, based on an image, a graphic design image of a woman. And it's um, from a, it's a sociological study of women from 1963. So I was really interested in the kind of this painting and that the woman doesn't have a face. You just see the bonnet and the whole idea of women and covering their heads. So what was curious is, you know, I was curious about David Ellinger, and I grew up around these. And it turned out my mother, they were given, when they were young, they were given some money and in, for an air conditioner. You know, Pennsylvania is really hot. And so they yeah. took the money and bought the painting instead. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's a beautiful painting. Yeah. So um, I just decided late in life, who is this David Ellinger guy? Right. And so we did a little research on him. It turns out he was a drag queen what? in from ni- in in the early. Um, he was in these these musicals, like not sh- yeah maybe Showboat and all these other. And what was curious is here he is. He's an antique picker. He selling um, around New Hope. So New oh, yeah. Hope had the Broadway stars. Even the Marx Brothers had summer houses. In the rare, large gay community there, which yep. more, it's, it's like a little area of Pennsylvania where like, oh, it's gay friendly. A lot of, you know. It was incredible. That, so here yeah. it is. I growing up with these paintings and had no idea. Right. So it's been a crazy adventure and I'm I'm doing a whole number who knows what's going to happen but so but it was this whole thing of identity and you know looking and kind of researching and in the last couple years I've each you know show I've been involved with there has been um you know in 19 uh, 19 whatever I mean, in 2012, I went to Rome, and it, it really sort of opened my eyes to kind of history and, and looking at certain things. And I think that kind of made me want to look at my own history yeah. and, and also um, this kind of curiosity about it's autobiographical, but it's not really, but also this idea of influence. And, and so, what you were looking at, too, right? Because a lot yes. of the... Uh the Pennsylvania Dutch aesthetic has this flat graphic, you know, like the, I don't know Absolutely. what they're called, the circle things on all the buildings. Hex signs. Hex signs, that's so, right. So, you know, the Vilkeman. hex signs, which are really interesting. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at my work. And, and so it's funny when you, and the last show I did was based on targets. Mm-hmm. Those are a target form, but they're also a spiritual form. They're to ward away the devil. Yeah. And so I was really kind of curious how um, 
all of this kind of comes full circle. Right. So, you know, that's right now all these kind of things. But I love this idea of, you know, he's painting these women without faces. Right. They're not his culture. He is a drag queen in a time, I can't even imagine, yeah. the 30s, you know, how underground and and a, a religious, and he's painting a religious culture who would, I'm sure that he had a really tough time. Yeah. So it's all these kind of weird cultural things at cross, you know, it's just, it's so interesting. So I feel like we've just, uh, the tip of the iceberg, and and so my, my crazy Pennsylvania background, and I think it's just, you know, interesting when, you know, what, and so the saddest thing is, it turns out he didn't die, and he, he was alive Till I think the nineties, um, my well, brother knew him, but I didn't get to. M- I <laughs> oh, why didn't did. I do this research right, right. sooner? Yeah. But so I was really interested. So you know, I work on velvet too. I, yes. I've always drawn on velvet, and mm-hmm. it comes out of the Pennsylvania Dutch. They're they're fractors, and they're also um, stencils yeah. that they make beautiful kind of. Bo- cornucopias and things like that. Well, he made these beautiful paintings on velvet, cornucopia. So all his stencils, I found out, um, my brother told me there was one antique dealer who um, inherited the estate and kind of um, all his um, stencils and things like that. So I, I looked him up and I went over and he said, I said, well, what did you do? Do they still exist? And he threw them all out. Yeah. And I, he said, well, what would you have done with them? And I was, it was just not the point. I right. mean, that this yeah. whole history. Yeah, maybe I'd use them. Why? Yeah, what the yeah. hell? It's incredible. Right, but just to, to have, have them. You work with, do you work with stencils? I do. I sort of create my own stencils in a way. I yeah. mean, I, I tape things out and stencil. And when I work on paper, I'm, I'm collaging. And it's basically stenciling shapes out and cutting them out and painting them. So, yeah, in a way, I think it, it's funny. I, I think... It, it didn't happen with me until recently, too, that I started to really understand the unconscious influence of, like, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of people reach back to their childhood when they grew up for more identity-related, mm-hmm. like, who am I? Mm-hmm. But I think for certain people, it's not, like, who you are necessarily, but what you looked at. Like, I relate to Warhol being from Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I think I relate to him in the sense that he was always kind of like, I'm reflecting society. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about you know, popular culture and what mm-hmm. that says about people, mm-hmm. I think. So for me, I w- it's not exciting growing up as a, you know, mid- lower middle class, like white kid in Pittsburgh, you know yeah. what I mean? But I think what I looked at and what I was interested in was really kind of interesting no, to me. and I think that's what makes you an artist. And yeah. That's what, you know, my, my experience in Rome is a friend of mine said, you know, it's a year to look with your feet. Right. And and to digest and, mm-hmm. and take all this stuff in. And so it's interesting what you remember and what you forget. And that's why I love going back sometimes and, yeah. you know, having a history. And then, and no, I'm not so much interested. I, I think you put that really well. I'm not really interested in the identity politics. But I am interested in the culture and what was around me that I didn't understand. Right. So going back and like, oh, my God. God, this guy, what, this is so interesting. And, yeah. and the time, and especially I think now 
what we're going through and the kind of closure of things mm-hmm. and 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 how you deal with when things close down how do you kind of navigate that territory yeah, definitely. so it's really interesting to know what another generation went through too yeah um you know i'm reading a great book it's um Nine Street Women. Have you heard of this book? I I don't have it here, but it's on five women in the um, Ninth Street in in New York during the abstract expressionist period. It's uh, Lee Krasner, Joan Mitchell, Grace Hardigan. Frankenthaler? uh, Frankenthaler. And um, Elaine de Kooning. Oh, yeah. And it just really brings you back to a time and... I think it's really important, and I think that history, um, you know, it's sort of been shoved, you know, people haven't paid enough attention, and it's, it's really important now to... to think about, and, and I don't know what it's going to, what it's, you know, aftermath of looking, but, you know, for me, it's always been interesting, you know, being in New York for 40 years, I I think you start from square one when I don't know if it's with you when you first got here yeah. what you're seeing right. and what you're experiencing and that makes you the artist that you are. Yeah, I think that's your anchor in a way. You that know? is. Or your ground floor of whatever you're building Absolutely. through time, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean and that's why I think so many people when they talk about their experience they go back to those first day. That's why it's so important. No. You know, is. and I find like for me, when I was in undergraduate school, that's when I caught the art bug. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And when mm-hmm. I really just wanted to live, breathe, eat, mm-hmm. sleep, art all the mm-hmm. time. So that moment in time became very important to me in mm-hmm. my development and in my thought processes, I think, more than like graduate school or after. You know, yeah. that stuff was more about figuring out, okay, how do I do this in life? Yeah. But when I first got exposed to it, it was kind of the excitement of like, what is this? Oh, absolutely. And how, what am I going to do? You know, that stuff, which is really exciting. Yeah. And I think as you get older, you're constantly trying to go back and capture that feeling, yes. you know, which is impossible, but it's, yes. that's the sort of goal in a way, you know. You know, and I, I think if you lose that passion and that curiosity, it's all over. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it is, it is for me so much experiential. Right. And there's no separation. If yeah. you can see, there's no separation. <laughs> yeah. You know, I live, breathe my work, but, you know, I have a life too. But, right. you know, the adventure of it, like, you know, it's funny, last night I, I couldn't sleep and I was just thinking, because, um, this show that I have in Vienna, it's called Happiness Runs, and that's from a Donovan song mm-hmm. from 1968, because we're 50 years from 1968. Wow. So the theme of the year of the um, curatorial practice in, in the place where I have a show at um, Belvedere 21 mm-hmm. was um, 1968, which was interesting, and I was not a... I was. I forget how old I was. I, maybe I don't want to put it out on the radio, but um, I was not a full-formed person, but yes, I did live through the 60s. Yeah. But um, the going back to the music, going deviating, but Happiness Runs um, was a, it's a, it's a round. It's, it has a, a certain phys- physicality to yeah, it, the definitely. song. And so... Um, 
I lost my train of thought, but it was, um, for me, going back, you know, it was a nice excuse to go back, and I think we all, and it was to a time, and also thinking about the music of the 60s, too, which was, you know, I remember hearing for the first time, I don't know, Jefferson Airplane yeah. singing about <laughs> Have a Revolution, which right. is, you know, is a 16-year-old <laughs> thinking about revolution. And I, I think it, it's, you know, it's quirky. It's, yeah, I think there's, you some, know, there's some 16-year-olds now who are thinking about a different I kind of revolution. So. <laughs> I but, hope so. Yeah, me too. But I don't know what what made me think about that. But it, it was maybe just music. But I th- I think that um, I got, I got lost from the from the thought to to the the musical the musical influence. Well, that time but, period, you were I mean, if you, the '60s and thinking about like Donovan and Jefferson Airplane and that kind of that aesthetic and the the visuals of that period too were so oh my god bright and. You know, yes, I, I trippy. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a kind of aesthetic, yeah. Which you could definitely see color wise being an in, maybe an influence in your yeah, work. Yeah, no, too. it was definitely. I think the '60s have so much, and I think it it's more to I I sort of um, now that so alternative when alternative had a good work had a I think alternative now is going under whatever, but experiential and also. Um, you know, I think this kind of open-endedness and a kind of looser, you know, that things could come from so many different places. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that you rebel, and I mean, I think that that sense of rebellion was incredibly important. You know, I think what I was, you know, maybe what I re- what you rebel against so you get older is the stuff that you love, but I think that that sense of rebellion in, in art is... Um, is healthy. Yeah. You know, it opens doors too. Yes, it does. And I, I think that music for me was really, um, influential in that sense. It's easier sometimes to, to see your world in, in music. I, I do it all the time. Yes. <laughs> I think about that, <laughs> you know, I do it all the time. And I think I, when I'm talking to students, I do, you know, I, I bring up relationships to music all the time. It probably drives them crazy, but I just think it's a great, parallel analogy to things you know that's a great way of sharing I think you know because my um, studio assistant you know we're always and he gets a kick out of some of the things like I'll say oh do you know the incredible string band or something like that and he'll he'll love that right you know and then he'll give me the latest of of what's going on and and there's a lot of I, I think it's intergenerational sharing it kind of you know um and I also think in music you have um, John Cage. You know, you have. Well, you know what? It's funny because when I was in, um, there's a great show in Vienna about music, the relationship between um, art bands and uh, artists bands. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, and they had Captain Beefheart mm-hmm. in an early Captain Beefheart on the beach at Cannes, and I had forgotten all about that, and I was just like. Oh my God! I was just transformed. Yeah. So it, it is, and I and you know I think that I work the way I work these days is it's um, it's um, it, it's an installation, but you know people are on mostly it's the rugs now, and it's it's a it's a whole installation, and people are 
in. They're on. They're allowed to walk on the rugs. They're allowed to sit and hang out in my work. Mm -hmm. And I think that has something to do with listening to music, you know, and hanging out. Being engulfed in the experience. Yes, and I think that music has maybe kind of led the way for me to to do that, maybe open up the space of the work. Which is pretty great. I, it's funny, too, because I think I recently I was saying something about the fact that music wins in a way because the sound goes inside of you. Mm-hmm. And I guess in a way, when you look at art, it goes into your eyes. But there's mm-hmm. something different about the physicality of sound when it comes into you. Well, you know, the thing that maybe it made me think about because I when I do talk about you know when people ask well why are you always on the floor and I said you know it really was the physicality because um when you look at something your eyes look at something it's just and look at a painting it's just there but if you know with my work in in the older you walk around or you walk through and now I've let people in and on I always did talk about the physicality but I didn't really realize its connection to music. But now thinking, I really think there is. And right. obviously, you know, there's, you know, I'm always listening to music and I'm using analogies to certain kinds of music and, and um, things like that. But, you know, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. It is, it, it is this physicality thing. Yeah. That's really your senses. It's, you know, color is a whole, your physicality to color and light mm-hmm. and, walking through and feeling is really a non-verbal experience. Yes, for sure. And I think if there's one thing technology has to offer when it comes to making artwork is that it can crack that Mm -hmm. shell in a way because you can kind of immerse people sometimes with video or with sound in relation to work. I remember seeing that early Charles Long piece where he collaborated with Stereolab. Oh, yeah. Where you could sit and kind of like listen. And I thought that was so cool to like blend those two things together. It felt really fresh and different. You know what I mean? To be in the art or like engaging in the artwork. But you know what it also does? It, you know, because I don't know if people talk about your work that way. They probably do. But, you know, with me, it's kind of, there is a performative element to the work. And the performative element is usually kind of very private. Right. But I think what I love now is I'm able to share it with Mm -hmm. people. And at the opening in um, Vienna, we ha- we made a little. My husband he he saw the the this um, woman who one of the rugs it's um, it has little red feet on it mm-hmm. based on the Virgins of Ravenna, mm-hmm. the little uh, the Virgin feet, and this woman was hopping. <laughs> <laughs> to foot to foot and it was just amazing and then her friend started hopping mm-hmm. on these and she was very good she was uh, she must be a dancer it was graceful it was incredible <laughs> her friend wasn't but it yeah. was just so wonderful right. seeing people interact with your work yeah and it just was like you know i used to say you know it's not performative it's not about that and and then i had to just say yes it is <laughs> and it was so wonderful and yeah. you know let people in it was just this like whoa, I couldn't have orchestrated that, right, and, right. I don't, and I don't want to, you know. But yeah. I love, you know, these, and I was thinking, that's what I was thinking last night when I couldn't sleep, that, you know, I have all these beads, and it drives me crazy because I love them absolutely perfectly 
oriented yeah. and I don't like them tangled and I don't like people interacting with them. Mm-hmm. They're just almost like a screen right. in a church and of, of beads. And so the show in Vienna is all floor and 10,000 square feet of floor. It's for me really exciting. But there is one element that has beads and uh-huh. it's the Otis rugs. They're yellow with big eyes on them. So at the opening, it was a disaster. All these people <laughs> tackling my beads. <laughs> I'm to. flipping out. But <laughs> So the next morning I go, and it takes me two hours to untangle the beads. Oh, but I'm just sitting there, and it's this kind of meditative thing. So the show's not open. But mm-hmm. this woman, I think people didn't know that. <laughs> so some woman, and you have to take off your shoes. Yeah. And so some woman comes up, and there was a sign. She took off her shoes. And she's just wandering around the show. Mm-hmm. And at one point, she just sits. And she's just, she's <laughs> <not>. a great old time. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you know, I'm just, you know, meditating, right. trying to, you know, not be angry that my beats are all. <laughs> but then I get into it. So at the end, um, you know, I do it, and I go downstairs, and I say to her, I said, you know, the show was not open. <laughs> and she said, well, she said, I said it opens on, th- uh, you know, was the official opening. I said it doesn't been open until Thursday or whatever. And yeah. she said, well, thank you so much. I'm, she was Spanish. She said, I'm, I'm leaving. I wouldn't have gotten a chance to see the show. Uh-huh. So it was like these private moments. Yeah. And I thought, you know, it's like going into seeing a show when nobody's there mm-hmm. and it's like a moment like that I've had moments like that where I was lucky you know um, maybe um, there was a op- uh, kind of private viewing of Matisse at the Museum of Modern Art and, and nobody got the, the the notice and I was like in the room with you know Matisse late right. Matisse all by myself and it, it's that kind of you know all encompassing as you said the the what what when art can do that it's such a wonderful thing it's it's about all the physical all the all the senses yeah definitely are going yeah so. i think that's and that's a gift too because i think some people just don't maybe naturally work in a way that invites all that mm-hmm. interactivity or mm-hmm. collaboration across mm-hmm. you know media i think that's kind of a nice thing to find like I, nowadays i do a lot of animation i never would have thought in art school that I would be doing animation. You know, I never studied it. It just came out of my, you know, my work. And wow. um, But now it's such a great opportunity to show the work in a different way. But I think some people are just like, you know, painters or sculptors. Like, they, yeah. they have that one way of working. So I think it's kind of a, a gift to be able to, like, float around through different areas. Oh, it's wonderful. You know, it's funny. When I, when I start my... Um, it, I can't get ri- I can't get rid of him, but when I um, start my slide talk <laughs> for for a million years, I have um, the Roadrunner. Oh yeah, and I think animation is also something I'm really interested in, uh, and Technicolor, and and just you know what I love and been thinking a lot about, and probably you do because you do animation is slow and fast. And you yeah, know time speed. that you put in in the studio and and the time that's out in the world and and thinking time and and i I love the early animation, you yeah. know the thought of the kind of labor to that, but like it's, Hans it's, Richter and people like that who did cell by cell uh, the surrealists, it's, yeah, it's really cool amazing stuff yeah. and 
I just love, you know, also because the Roadrunner, he's horizontal, and that's my world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he's um, he or she or it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but those early animators were geniuses, and they were also had a great sense of humor, yeah. too. You yeah, know, yeah. it's really, I'm sure, with, you know. I noticed you had a Chuck Jones book up there. Oh, there. my God. That, you know, there's, and I think it might be, if that's the um, 12 rules for, um the road runner and it might mm-hmm. be and and look up look it up online and and one is um no no words except beep beep and there's one oh i should get it for you there's one about being an artist and the kind of humbling situation of that yeah. you know of making mistakes right. and but the Chuck Jones book is that it was a find. I think I got that at the Strand, and, oh, yeah. and that's a major part of my library. I, I grew up love, on Chuck Jones. Oh I mean, I spent God. an obscene amount of time watching Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry and Roadrunner and all those cartoons. I think it really shaped my aesthetic more than you know. I mean, sometimes people think it's comic books or graphic design or things like that, but I think those early. Chuck Jones animations were huge. Oh, they're amazing. And I, you know, cartoons and I love, we had Bullwinkle and Rocky. I mean, we had, and you know, finding out later what all the political content, it is incredible. And um, what's interesting, the, the, what I like about the Ninth Street, going back to the Ninth Street women is it starts WPA, then it goes, you know, the war and, how all this history, but then it goes to the 50s, and we forget about the 50s and McCarthyism and all yeah. of that, and a lot of um, the blacklisted artists, and a lot of you know Hollywood, and you think of the, a lot of the cartoonists. You think it was it was just all over, and you think of Walt Disney. I don't know if you saw the movie about Walt Disney. It was not. Um, pro-labor there was all these kind of animation um, strikes with the animators and things like that so knowing that history but they what they did is they secretly got in their way of um, some of the characters I think it was like Porky Pig was one of the animators they were making fun of all these people and also making fun of society and so they were having their cake and eating it too yeah they're really smart just like Michelangelo had to sneak things into the chapel absolutely <laughs> they had to sneak stuff into those cartoons that were like <laughs> no it's, it's really amazing and i think that you think it's, it's early pop art yeah so it really is and i'm sure that warhol looked at carto- oh, those yeah. cartoons too i think it's it's really for me all of that stuff but i loved the cartoons as yeah. a kid and and i still like them yeah there's something great about them uh, going back to the ninth street when i wanted to ask you too about you know, I have so many students now, like the majority of the students that I teach are young women hmm. artists. And, um, you know, I'm thinking back to those days where there was like, you know, a handful, like that's, that's it. Like a handful of women who were actually able to show their work, you know what I mean? And it was such a, a dude landscape, you know, like, how do you feel? Cause you, I mean, you've been in New York for a yeah, little but, while. You know, it, Has, it's, it's funny when I came to New York, I was really lucky. Um, I think things open, that's what we're seeing now. Things open up and they close down, open up, and, the, and, and everything. I came in uh, 1978, and it took me a long time to, you know, you know, when you're first off the boat, it, to even, you know, find a place to live, yeah. 
how are you going to make money? What are you, and under. then how are you even going to make work? Right. You know, now people come with full portfolios. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to grad school. I didn't have a full portfolio. I just, you know, was like, how do how do how do you how do you live? You know, we I'm were here. we were green. <laughs> so it's it, but the thing is is there were few. Um, I I kind of got lucky because living in this building, I had a friend who grew up in West Beth, mm-hmm. and her mother was an artist, and um, I I think that she sort of I got to kind of see through her you know, a little bit of the generation, the West Beth generation and the Judson School. Mm-hmm. I took a, a dance class with a woman named Sally Gross, and there's a show up at the Modern on the on the Judson School, Dancers. But in that class was um, Mary Frank, um, this is going to blow your mind, Gil Evans. Oh, wow. I know. Really? And I was 21 years old, or, and, I, and I didn't know who these people were, but it, it was, um, it just kind of blew my mind, um, just slowly trying to figure things out. But the women who I looked at, Paula Cooper had, I don't know what year, but around that time, opened up her gallery. And so Elizabeth Murray, mm-hmm. Linda Benglis, um, oh God, on and on. There were a lot of women showing. She started out with a lot of women. Yeah. So that was very exciting for me. I didn't know any of this work. And um, God bless her. I know. That couldn't have been easy. No. It was really amazing what I was exposed to. And so I was really lucky. It, it didn't all sink in. It took a long time. Um, also... We left for a year. We went to Spain, which was incredible, in 1983. And so I, I, I got to be exposed to art in Europe, so art to povera. So there were things that, you know, because I think right now, the, I think in the 80s was a really uninteresting time. So I got here open, a lot of... Um, Things were happening. You were seeing women. And then it closed down with the 80s. Yeah. Um, the Julian Schnabel, the David Sally, the kind of macho um, painters. And it was, you know, it was also stuff I wasn't really interested in. And yeah. I had gone to art school. There were no women. I don't, I think I had one woman teacher. It was, you know, it's really interesting. The art schools were filled with women always. Right. But as soon as you got out of art school, the op- the opportunity really dropped. But, you know, my teachers weren't even um, showing when I got out. And one of my teachers, I went to Tyler in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Well, it was in Elkins Park. But one of my teachers who was um, Stan Whitney, who I'm sure you know. And Stan wasn't showing. And, you know, it was, um, you know, Things take time. It's it's crazy. He's now the hottest thing right. and more power to him. But he didn't show for, you know, I don't know, 30 years. Yeah. Nobody was knocking. Maybe he had a show he wasn't selling, you know. So, you know, everybody, it was a smaller world. It was really interesting. And it took time to build a community. And I was, um, uh, recently I saw Lois Dodd talk, and she said she was lucky in in friends, and I feel I was lucky in friends. I yeah. found a community here, and 
you know, the East Village happened, the real East Village, mm-hmm. you know, in the 80s, yeah. and I was able to start showing. And, it, you know, there were women in the mix, but, you know, it was the picture generation. There was a lot of things, but it was stuff that I wasn't really doing. But you really um, stood out. I mean, you... I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to say, but I, I've always felt like a, an oddball, but I think every artist does. Right. <laughs> That's not yeah. that's not unusual. Well, maybe we think we're all oddballs, but then is the work also an oddball? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, but I think that I th- I think you you do what you do, but and but it was it was really interesting. I I I'm still friends with a lot of the same people, and yeah. and and it's really been an adventure. Yeah, you know, it's definitely. still my my life, but um, the. These Village was a lot of, you know, it was run by a lot of artists. Like Jeff, I remember seeing Jeff Koons work for the first time and seeing, I'm you sorry, know, who's that? I don't Jeff know. Koons. <laughs> no, but seeing all these people, it just as it was happening and, yeah. and, and the whole move to Soho and, and all this, all this stuff. But, you know, at a certain point, I think you really, um, have to you know the kind of focus it's it's really interesting i think that living in new york it's it you can get overwhelmed at a certain point by all the stuff going on and all the influences and at a certain point you have to just say okay now what do i want to do yeah yeah (laughs) it's like what do i want to make right and 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 um and 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 luckily, that that kind of falls. It can happen sometimes. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Having that community that you have, and then having the rare kind of ability to have been in one place for a long time, also gives you some sort of stability and security in the sense of like, well, you're doing your thing. All mm-hmm. these other things are changing around you, but you're kind of like pushing your. Mm-hmm. You've been able to just make your work and keep changing it because it's you're always pushing things into work and doing new projects. And like we were looking at all the catalogs, those great catalogs you've been doing and the stuff around your work. I mean, do you feel like that's made it? That's such a nice thing. You know, it's funny because my, I think that's um, um, a monogamous in, in places that I've lived. (laughs) You're really dedicated to this relationship. (laughs) To my loft. You know, the thing is, is I think that that stability and kind of living, breathing, thinking about your work all the time yeah. has been a really, it has been important. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing, um, you know, things come and go, galleries come and go, God, yeah. look at the, look at that, but that's less important but you know having a roof over your head and and having friends and and really and um, conviction right? and conviction like i think yeah no absolutely i'm doing what i'm doing yeah no i think that having that um i think that's an internal dialogue having yeah. you know loving the conversation right having a um for me and the, that conversation goes out the door too. Right. But it's the you know the Philip Gustin you know once you're in this space, mm-hmm. shedding certain things and keeping the important things. Yeah. So you know getting the the I think having a it's a really 
uh, having a safety space, right. uh, a space to create, a space to um, spend time, has and 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 a quiet space is incredibly important to the work. And it has, you know, the studio space is is really interesting. Yeah, and I think me. I think it's also easier to make changes in your work or think about your work differently or be unsure, which you kind of need mm-hmm. to do as an as mm-hmm. an artist, I think the mm-hmm. moment you quote unquote figure it out, it kind of dies mm-hmm. in a way. Oh, totally. So, but it's hard to be in that state of flux yeah. all the time. But I was talking to my wife about it recently. How um, I don't, I don't think I'm super old, but I think like when you hit a certain age, you're mm-hmm. just like f it. Like I'm, oh I'm, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Like I, yeah, I'm okay with what I'm doing, whether anyone else isn't okay with it. And there's something liberating about well, that. Well, I think I was more fuck you. And I've, I, it's funny because of the formalism thing. I always said I was a fuck you formalist because, you know, but, but that's, I don't know what I am anymore, but um, I think that being comfortable or just, you know, what the hell. I think that I got, you know, I think that's the whole critical thing is, you know, good reviews, bad reviews. I think they're all whatever, but I think... Um, really proving things to yourself yes. and it's really you know i'm yes i i i'm curious what's out there but i'm i'm pretty tough and i i really um i and I, you know that's the interesting thing i don't think people think i'm i'm tough but you know i'm tougher than you think yeah. and and i and i think that um What's interesting, I think, about having this space is, you know, I used to make all the work here, and then the exciting adventure thing was once it went out, and then it was right. um, much more reacting to the space, and that making that space, you have two studio spaces. Yeah. You have the space that you make the work in, then the studio becomes an out another space it's like genesis and destination yes and so and being i had to really teach myself both of them yeah and now also i could the most extreme work i had was probably the work that people know the least is where i would take fabric Mm -hmm. and just cut it for the space and it was really hard and it's it's going into the zone of making mm-hmm. and drawing that's a private thing and then just taking yourself and trying to get to the kind of sports zone that they say yeah. and put yourself in this space and make a piece right and it was um also about positive negative it was making a painting but making a painting in a room yeah that's not your studio and it was really um i'm not sure people got that work some people did and i got you know and it was i think it was like what is polly doing (laughs) and i just i love that work but it was so hard on me yeah you know mentally right and i think that um but going to those places i i think and not being scared and and maybe the f word is trying to be fearless too and not being on you know, complacent or not, um, you know, it's funny because I love, like, I like work that's counter to that, too. You know, I love Agnes Martin, and I love that kind of zone, and and n- n- not everything, you know, she has an identifiable, you could say, identifiable, you could say, oh, that's an Agnes Martin. Yeah. But I think that maybe I'm um, 
I'm a restless soul, I guess, and yeah. and just um, very different in the sense that I have to see things. And, you know, it's a curious time right now. I think when you get older, too, you're scared of running out of time. And yeah. so sometimes you're, like, speeding up. You're on acid. <laughs> you're going because... You're like, oh, my God, I, I want to see this. And so, you know, I'm making uh, 43 hats, pom-pom hats for a biennial in Quebec. Uh -huh. And then and with using mannequin heads that are like these crazy mannequin heads because I've never worked with mannequins. And a friend of mine said he hates mannequin art. So I said, I really want to do mannequin art. Right. And so it's kind of, you know, I still have that like, oh, man, that sounds, I want to see that. Yeah. So I think that I'm, I'm, I'm contrary to. Right. You know, if somebody says one thing, I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> like, I'm going to do, yeah. do that. So anyway. Well, I think you, and, and also too, I think if, you're an artist that's open and interested in the world yeah. you're gonna admire or like the people who do things that are the opposite of the way you naturally yeah i think that's like on kawara i think yeah. is amazing because he how does one dedicate <sighs> their incredible. entire art practice like that you know what i mean it's it's unbelievable i could never do that no i think i think you're right and i think that being Catholic in your taste and just loving, you know, it, and it's like music too. You know, I don't have, I, I'm open to listening to as many. And, and, you know, I like, you know, new music. Um, I like classical music. But, you know, it, it's really, and I like music that takes me back to, you know, when I first started out. Yeah. And, and so I think that that's, you know, you have different needs and different times and you make, it's, it's kind of... Um, looking looking back and and also um rethinking and and um it's interesting now because the last couple shows i've i've kind of have put in older pieces yeah. and it's for me you right, know the right. it, it's really to to see you know what they look like again and, and how people react to them now as opposed to before right absolutely yeah. and you know i think the kind of when I, I started showing in um, the first one person show was 1986 mm -hmm. and somebody said it looked like a, a one person um, it looked like a group show by one person right. you know it was a group show <laughs> but <laughs> you know but and I think that you know the consistency was the thinking not so much the material and yeah. I think that you know sometimes you empty things out and sometimes you put everything in and the two shows that I had up in September, one was emptying things out, and and the other, and the luxury that they were at the same time, was putting everything back in. Right. And so I like right now this kind of putting everything in yeah. And as I'm going forward. And then, you know, we'll just see, and kind of mix it, mixing it up. Yeah. It's been really interesting. When so I'm looking at it. Yeah, when you um, when you're working, working, mm -hmm. do you are you a music listening or do you listen to podcasts or silence or? You know, um, I used to be just really NPR person. Yeah, <laughs> really <laughs> news and music. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a wonderful program. I know. I think it might be off the air. Um, new sounds. There are a few. Maybe New Sounds is still um, NPR. There were two um, contemporary music stations that I really loved um, listening to. And um, with the world the way it is, I can't listen to 
to news anymore that's too heavy. while I'm working. Yeah, yeah, it's so heavy. It's just, it's really hard. But we have a, a it's a, there's a wonderful, um, so we have a place upstate, mm-hmm. and I do have a studio up there. That's where the, the kiln is yeah. and the ceramic studio. And so Sunday night, there's a, a wonderful station. I think it's um, 98.1. And the program is Women of Note. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful DJ. And they, every Sunday, that's our, that's, we, we stop everything. And, and we radio, listen yeah. to Women oh, of nice. Note. And yeah, yeah. so, you know, I do now. I'm, I'm not as, um, you know, I think my, my, and in the in the barn where my kiln is, I have a tape player, mm-hmm. and I'll listen to cassettes. I listen to my tapes that my mixtapes mm-hmm. from the seventies and eighties that my friend Eric Elias made for me, because that's the only place I have a tape player. Yeah, so I'll do that. But now I'm not, you know, for years I did listen to music and mm-hmm. I did listen to the radio. And now it's, um, I'd say my, my working schedule is a little bit um, crazy. It's not mm-hmm. as, as um, I'm catch, you know, I'm, I'm just a little bit out there a little bit frantic <laughs> i don't know i've got to chill yeah. but no i think but we music i still listen to yeah. all the time are you a jazz fan at all no that's it's funny i you know i i'm really a believer in my own work of improv yeah you know because i really think my um that's how i work but i'm not sure i was i think I should have been my my parents were, but I think soul and funk took precedence. Yeah, I love Philadelphia. There was a, a program called Funky Friday. Oh, nice. <laughs> I still that's got to be good. And I did a um, I had a piece called um, Funky Town, mm-hmm. and then it got drowned in Sandy, and then I remade the piece, and it was Bring Back the Funk. Nice. <laughs> That's a lips incorporated. Yes, I'm I'm total reference. funk. I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so no, you know, I I do like jazz, but I'm I'm much more of a soul and funk person. That makes sense. I mean, you wouldn't have that stuff without jazz. Yeah. So. No, it's all. It's. I was all... thinking about '68 and Donovan, but in '68, you know, you had yeah, like Coltrane and Miles. Oh, They're like yeah. kind of breaking out at that point. Yeah. We're getting the post bop, and it's starting to open up. Yeah, no, get, it, it's pretty wild. It's not Sun Ra yet, but it's yeah. getting there. No, and of course I love Sun Ra. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, I, you know, I just, um, I did a show too called What's Love Got to Do With It? I love Tina Turner. She's, yeah. a, she's a role model. There's like, you know, amazing role models out there. And, and that um, in music and, you know, you think of the, the women singers and, and you think of the, the music world and, and you think of the art world. It's just women have gotten a real bum rap. They still do. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's really been important. I love um, women vocalists, and that's what the women have known. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a hopeless Joni Mitchell fan. Yeah. And, um, I, th- I think that history is, you know, I think if, you know, you 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 have to 
own it and and lose it and to make art you you know you have to I think what's interesting somebody said you know have one foot in the real world and and one one foot in the the conceptual world and the world itself and you know I think going um to all these spaces you yeah. know um, that's why I love, you know, waiting for the UFOs, waiting for the UFOs, the Graham Parker. It's, you know, it's interesting to think about the other possibilities yeah. and also the potential. Right. And I think for me, um, I always said that I was a, I had been a desperate optimist. I'm not sure how optimistic I am right now, but, you know, there's so much joy in making art. There's so much joy in my f- world that I don't want to lose it. Right. You know, I think yeah. that that for me is um, keeps me going. Yeah, I think it's both there in the world, and it's what you choose right. to kind of. Yeah, I and mean, you beauty. can either focus on the positive yeah. and let that fuel your fire, or mm-hmm. you can focus on the negative and fight and scrap and try to change that. I think, it, you know, wasn't it yeah. Agnes Martin who said, like, everything's about beauty, the lack yes. of it, or it's beautiful. And she also said, I'm not going to go down to a certain, below a certain right. level. And yeah. I think, you know, she had incredible depression, not depression, I think she was um, mentally ill. I don't know that much about it. She was schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. But I think that that she could maintain that an incredible, um, the work that she made. She blows me away, and I think about her all the time. Oh, She's a spiritual amazing. leader. And, you know, that's why I think it's it's a really interesting that, you know, to think about the role models and, and yeah. to, you know, to know what another generation went through. You know, I, I was very persistent, and I, I think I was really lucky um, in, you know, I think that a kind of certain, you know, visibility, you know, is important. Yeah. That's that's the important thing of being in this community. My friends have been incredibly generous and I've been in a lot of group shows and somebody will say, "Hey, will you do this?" or, you know, "Hey, will you do that?" and it's it's been a way for me to see my work in so many different ways and yeah. places and that it's it's really about um learning and yeah. and seeing and and so that's why you know there is no separation um and then and you know i think that people have to realize too you know with agnes martin i think she took time out you mm-hmm. know she went out west and you you do what you, what's necessary and it's been incredible like you know i can't um say how important the year in Rome was and yeah. taking time out. You know, I love New York. It's incredible. It's, I think, the privilege of living here and being an artist has really been an, amazing for me. But leaving it mm-hmm. and and being able to have the time just to to think and um, and to meet other people and to communicate with people who are interested in music and architecture and and the world in a in you know i think that sometimes we by necessity we have to kind of um specialize yeah. you know and it takes a lot of time it's important i think you know i 
to look at art too mm-hmm. in and to participate in the world but you know that gave me a incredible I I said it was rebooting yeah you know and and I came back and all the work that were in the in the September shows um are from that time from after Rome yeah so taking a year off it's where some people time. say yeah. They said, oh, you know, oh, I could never do that. And I was like, well, you're missing the boat. Yeah, maybe you should. <laughs> maybe you should. <laughs> and also never say you can't do right. something. Right. You know, I think that the funny thing is, is falling in love. I'm sure there's work or music that you didn't like. Right. And then seeing it differently 20 yeah. years later. Of course. You know, it's like, oh, I like that. I, I'm ready to listen to that yes. now. I tell people all the time I used to hate Picasso yeah. when I was young because I was like, oh, you see it everywhere. I'm like, yeah, and the guy was supposedly not that nice and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just tired of seeing it. And then you get to a certain age and you're like, oh, man, this is really, really good. And I think that happens with music. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I think and it's... Food. And food too, it and everything. With food. <laughs> I used to hate olives, and nowadays I'm like, oh, I kind of like olives. You know, I'm I'm still on the fence about beets. <laughs> beets, yeah, I like beets. People either love beets or hate beets, but I think that I had this thing, and I went I went to camp, mm-hmm. and they gave me a, a no thank you helping, and I think the no thank you helping ruined me for oh, life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, don't force feed your kid beets. Right. <laughs> don't, if you want to, don't That's force feed your kids anything. Right. They'll come around. Yeah, yeah, they'll get don't to it think? sooner or later. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we do that with our kid. You know, it's just like, you just give them an opportunity. Yeah. If they don't want it at the moment, it's not the right time yet. No, you know? I think that's it. I think that, you know, timing is everything. If you, um, but I, I love that when I, if, if you can, be so stubborn and then change your mind. Because yeah. I think as artists, we're incredibly stubborn. And then go, oh, man, I like that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think That's, it's important. I think it's It's great. being open, right? I think so, too. And that can and only I, help. I think that, um, especially right, right now, you know, I think that, you know, there was a kind of an interesting movement that got, like, wayside. I think it's going to come back. And so if you wait long enough, yeah. this is a, a John Giorno. There's a poem. He says, if you wait long enough, your best friends become your enemy. But <laughs> if, you, if you wait long enough, you know, things come back. And I think yeah. that, and also it's, it's interesting that people are looking at, you know, weaving and craft mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I was, I was lucky. And, and, you know, Joanne's been a great friend. She's the one who got me into the ceramics at Greenwich House. Oh, yeah, and also, yeah. she's a great um, person who sort of got me back into um, making um, gouache drawings and mm-hmm. things like that. But your friends are very helpful. They kind of pull you along and pull you out of your world. But I think that look at the history of ceramics. You know, now it's the hottest thing. And, yeah. and the whole idea of you know pulling now it's it's the high, i don't know i think i think it's really interesting and so maybe that's a hopeful thing with time people can see things differently right. yeah. and and can you know look at you know things in with a new, with new eyes well one hopes too that with the advent of a broader spectrum of experiences and and 
sort of visualization of whether it's culture, music, mm-hmm. or whatever it is that people mm-hmm. become, even if people aren't out experiencing different cultures mm-hmm. and different people, and diff- that at least there's some sort of familiarity which makes things, makes people more open in general, yeah. which I think we need right now. Oh, totally. And, you know, you have, I don't have kids, but you have a, a son, and I think that as you get older, you you do think about, well, um, how come I did become an artist, or what was it? And you asked me those those questions, and and I think that if you we took more people to museums yeah. and 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 showed them other cultures and right. and showed them, you know, even where their parents or grandparents came from and their history and their trials and mm-hmm. their the beautiful things that they made and and how important that is to being in this world and being a social person in this Definitely. world and being a generous person in this world. Yes. I think they'd have more tolerance to the world in general. It's that's true and you know, it's not easy raising a kid in New York City. Oh, it would be wow. so much easier to go out to the suburbs or out somewhere and drive to the store and, you know, yeah. <laughs> all that stuff. It's so much more complicated. But seeing his classmates and, like, all the diversity and they don't care where they're from or mm-hmm. what their name is and, mm-hmm. you know, and there's just, like, an openness to people. It's just, it's so great that, for me, that makes it worth it. But I swear some days it's exhausting. I'm sure it is. <laughs> but, you know, I think that... I, I'm so grateful that my parents took me to museums. Yeah. And they're amazing. You know, I went to the Barnes Collection, which is a really oh, yeah. idiosyncratic place. And that, you know, that they did that. And it, it really, you know, it was interesting. And I think if your parents are interested in something, you become interested. And yeah. it seems cool. Maybe down the line. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's not cool no, at I, I, But look at how many artists, um, you know, I think that the artist parents who, yeah. you know, maybe their kids don't eventually, but it, it, has a, it has an effect. I think so. And there are so many, you know, from Kiki Smith to Rebecca Smith, just Katie Nolan, you know, look at that. Women, yeah. interesting, that I just named. But I think that, and maybe it wasn't, you know, you do rebel, and I Mm -hmm. think the rebellion is good, but because maybe it opens up your thought process and your education. Maybe you go and study poetry. But, you know, it's still, or, you know, it's interesting. I think it does, art does make good citizens. Yes, it plants the seeds. (laughs) I don't want to be totally, you know, (laughs) Pollyanna-ish, but, you know, I think, too, it's, you know, it's that space. When you were a kid, you got something, that space. And and, and I don't think you lose that space. No, I think it's um, much like everything else. When you're a young child, I think that all that stuff gets woven into your fabric. And you can't really shake it. But that garage band, I think you probably were in a, I'm sure you played music early on. And that that's like you're never gonna you you know you couldn't you love it it's in there it's it's in there and I think that's you know figuring out sort of how you you know your idiosyncratic how you how you work how you make art and and then you know I think that all of that's hindsight because when you're doing it it's just you're doing it you (laughs) know it's like whoa just just make it just do it (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Later on, you think about that. Yeah. Stuff. No, absolutely. And 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 I I just you know. I'm so, you know, I, I went and looked with a friend at art. We saw this incredible, if you have time, one of my favorite. He's a Richard Pettibone. Oh, it's yeah. not Raymond. Right, it's right. Different. Richard. Go. Yes. And it's an incredible show. And I saw that work. I had started out at Purchase. I was 18 years old, and I saw that at the Newburgh Museum. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I never forgot that work. And so, you know, I think that it's really important for me to, you know, to to keep looking and, and remembering before I kind of have all my senior moments. <laughs> but it's okay to forget things because then, you'll, is, then yeah. you, you know, you'll, you'll remember them. I'm having senior moments all the time. I used to, I, it's funny because, you know, I, I think when you have, a, not to complain about having a kid in the city, but there's so much stuff going on all the time. The oh, kid's schedule is God. more busy than my schedule. So I just can't remember stuff. Oh God! And maybe talking to like uh, you know people for over a, a couple of years, it's like the new information comes in. Some of the old's got to go out. <laughs> but I hope they don't grow up too fast. That's the only thing because yeah. I think that the internet and things. The other day we were talking about traveling to Europe when we when we were you know there was no no cash machines, no phone, mm-hmm. no you know running out of money, and you know just like. Playing it by ear, but what a crazy adventure. And now, you know, kids are overscheduled or they're scheduled and things like that. But they're given, you know, I remember that one time years ago I did something for um, teenagers. There was a teenage curatorial program at MoMA. It probably still exists. Uh I was like, when I was a kid, I didn't, you know, when I was a teenager, I didn't even know what a curator was. (laughs) You and (laughs) me both. (laughs) You know, it's like, whoa. So, you know, maybe... Um, I'm really glad I lived in New York during the time because it was, you know, yes, it was more dangerous. Yes, it was um, a kind of, there wasn't as much opportunity. Yeah. It's, it is, it's just totally different. Every yeah. generation is different. But, um, and I, I, I still think that the, the thing that, um, Maybe I'm why I'm so on, um, you know, fast overcharge is is that it is still I'm still programmed that, you know, the opportunity is just going to slip away. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's probably um, the a kind of a negative to all of that, not having so many. But. I think the positive of that is I took advantage of, I made those opportunities really yeah. work for me. And so, so it, it, you know, so the kind of, um, the negative you turn into a positive. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, it's kind of a great thing to have those opportunities. Yeah. And if you have them out there, you kind of want to do them, you know? Yeah. And you keep wanting it to, you know, you don't want that to close down. I yeah. think that's the thing. I think that, you know, and that's, you know, living in this 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 period, too, um, of trying to figure out how do we open things up again? How do we get back on track? Yeah. So, it's a lot. It is. It's hard. And also, how do you, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, but I've, you know, the last couple of last two years have been really incredibly wonderful too 
and that's what's bittersweet about it. You know, the show that I did in New York, um, the last one-person show, what I so felt was the community support. It was. It had nothing to do with, I didn't care what anybody thought, but I did care about my friends. And yeah. so I think New York is one of the hardest places because it is so critical, but that's mm-hmm. what makes it so great. But when you live here mm-hmm. and when you do a show here home base and when it is yeah. home base and when all your friends come out and and people wanted to be in the space that i had made yeah. it sort of felt like um a kind of safe space but also it was kind of well in the sense it was just after um the women's march and mm-hmm. i honestly really didn't want to do a show and i pushed it and then it just was um, a really beautiful thing for me to to know that you know I do have a community, yeah. and it's a very strong and very beautiful. Yeah, so it's a great thing. It is. So, I, so what do you have coming? Can you tell people oh, listening? Oh yeah, no, it's exciting. So the Icon Show that was the 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 Graham Parker show. Yeah, my new friend, and I'm a huge fan, obviously, and mm-hmm. um, that's traveling to. The Kemper. Okay. And so, and what's interesting about that, it was a show that was on two floors, and I didn't really think I could figure it out, but it is. So it's, it's, it's what, it's an installation about an installation, and it's a show that uses the gay flag, um, chart as the jumping off point right so it's rainbow colors yeah and the target i made 139 ceramic targets and then i have floor woven targets and then i have two 300 beads and um i'm really excited to see the show in a different space yeah and then the quebec um biennial Mm -hmm. which is a show um called um oh god it's in a craft space in in Quebec, and my show is called Chicken Little Was Right, The Sky Is Falling, <laughs> and I've made, it's in February, and I made um, 43 pom-pom hats going on mannequin heads. I think I said about that, yeah. but what I love is um, the inspiration was these whalers' hats, mm-hmm. and Quebec is a, a was a traditionally a whaling community, and they found these um, Dutch whaling hats in Amsterdam, and I saw them at the the Rijks Academy. I think that's a museum, and each one was identified with a person. And so, if you fell overboard, oh, you'd or know if you you'd know who yeah. the, or even in the in their graves, they were buried with their hats. Mm-hmm. And they found their hats. So I love this idea that identifying each person in almost their aura. I'm right. making a hat for each artist in the show. Oh, nice. And they get, and then the pom poms. So I, I bought this beautiful wool. So it's very <laughs> high class wool, but we have cheap pom poms. And the pom poms <laughs> are red and white for Canada. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Canada, <laughs> which is a really, um, an interesting place right now politically maybe it's time to think (laughs) about canada so um i'm really excited about my pom-pom hats and i really think um i made great posters for one is a kind of graphic image of um 
Chicken Little with a with a hat, a pom pom hat, and mm-hmm. the other is these kind of creepy looking people, <laughs> mannequin heads. It's very punk, I think. Yeah. It's punk Polly with these pom pom hats. Nice. So it, it's going to be. It's so totally different from anything I've ever done. But you know, I did a show of beads where. Um, at 56 Henry, I don't know if you yeah, know. Yeah. I love I love Ellie Ryan, and 56 Henry is just incredible. And I did a show of my beads. You see my bead mm-hmm. table. Yeah. And at the opening, I gave everybody beads. Oh, nice. And it was so much fun. And then everybody went out in the world <laughs> with a bead. <laughs> and it was, and I love this idea of making things for people. Yeah. And, you know, the takeaway. In the mm-hmm. old days, you'd get... A card right. when you went to a show, mm-hmm. and you know I saw that beautiful Morris Lewis card that yeah. I have. But the kind of I love the ephemera of art, yeah, and yeah. and we talked about it. It's like album covers, and and you know the inserts. Right. You would read about <laughs> you'd read the inserts, and yeah. you know there's and so much. Them. It's just incredible, yeah. Yeah. and and so um, so from now on, I always make posters and. Um, because people aren't doing it anymore. Right, and yeah. I also, you know, I make books. I make kind of just, just to organize my work. Because I, I do like um, uh, quantity. You know, I have a hundred, I mean, I think there were a total 149 suns. They're the sun targets. Yeah. And so then um, 43 hats, because that's how many people are in the, in the mm-hmm. biennial. And so the... Um, so that's what's next. But, you know, and also um, the thinking, and, and I think it's going forward, is the show is called, um, for Arcadia, is called This Is Not a Pipe, um, The Sunbonnet Women. So oh, nice. I'm really, really interested in that. But that's that's so long-term. Down but the line. There's, yeah. That's down the line. But the, the two sort of on my mind are... Um, Kansas City, yeah. and which is January, and um, my pom pom hats, nice. <laughs> which is Quebec, yeah, Chicken Little. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for inviting me over. And it's been great to spend a day here. Well, it's so nice, and and that we I haven't seen you in years, and know, and our Skowhegan connection, yeah, that was really it's really sweet. It's been a know? while. It has been that was a last while. century. It's like. <laughs> Well, it takes twenty years. Right, I think. right. Oh, it's, I don't know. It is what it's. It's. It is probably twenty. What year was that? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. So it's been That's, nineteen years. Wow. So time flies. It does fly, <laughs> and I think it's. It's. They say time flies faster when you get older oh right it's a snowball going down a hill it's it just totally picks up speed. i think that's, that's why i'm i'm um and it's also coffee <laughs> that's true yeah yeah coffee lots of coffee lots of coffee that's that's feeding the feeding the beast right right all right well thanks for having me well over. thank you it it's been so sweet thank you Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find more about the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com. On the website, you can find more images I take from the podcast at artist studios and in the galleries. Many thanks to Lovotone, who created the music that you're hearing now for the intro-outro, and for Michael Lovett for doing the intro for Sound and Vision. You can check out Sound and Vision at Instagram.com. 
at Sound of Vision Podcast. And you can check out more about my work at painchanger.com or at Alfred Studio on Instagram. Thanks again to Golden Artist Colors for sponsoring the podcast. And please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. It really helps out. Thanks for your support.